Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. The real Superman. Jesus said, then I come, you've made me a body. Hallelujah. And I have come through time and space through eternity come and stepping out you made me about it and I've come in the volume of the book it was written of me he was the word made flesh that is stepping now among mankind to solve the problem remember if you would like to hear more about our ministry just log on to kingdomrock.org that's kingdomrock.org now sit back relax and enjoy the rich word of God we're going to be doing some things today on the PowerPoint uh, display behind me. We have a number of scriptures that I want to give you uh, to help reinforce what I'm going to say to you. Today, uh, we're going to be speaking from the subject of freedom from guilt and shame. Freedom from guilt and shame. This will actually be, thank you, this will actually be part number two of the series entitled uh, We Shall Overcome. <laughs> Praise the Lord that we started on last week. Uh, help me pray for a moment. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this day, for this hour, for this moment uh, that you have allowed us to come in and, and glean from your word. We ask, Father, that you would just speak to us today expressly by your spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would just, just teach us that you would lead us into all truth and show us things to come. Teach every single person that is here and those also that will be listening by way of internet or by CD. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you would just deal with your hearts uh, about the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, Lady of hearts, amen. Now, uh, in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, rather, yeah, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, we will actually be looking... Uh, from verses 1 all the way down to verse 23, 23 verses, but it's broken up in several sections and several parts. And actually, if you receive this word today, uh, shame and guilt will be broken entirely off of your life. If you receive the words that the Father has for you today, shame and guilt uh, will be broken entirely off of your lives. Shame and guilt are the result, really, of a, uh, we could say, of a guilty conscience, of something that has taken place as far as sin. We have sinned, we have done something wrong, and we carry shame and guilt with us. You know, oftentimes people will carry the guilt of something that they've done in their teenage years, or the guilt of something that they have done in their preteen years, or in their 20s, or their 30s. They, they carry guilt and shame. And we'll bring that into the house of God. We will pray at the altar and then we feel better for the moment, but we realize we'll carry that same shame and guilt with us right back outside the door. That's not God's plan. And if you will hear what God has to say today, he will deliver you, completely deliver you from shame and guilt. All right, let me try to work this fancy thing here. Wrong button. Hold on a second. All right. Let's talk about, first of all, the, the old system, the law, the, prom, the problem. There was a problem with the law. If we look at this in, in verse number 1, 
Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 1. And it says, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which are offered, now I put some things on the screen for you, which are offered year by year, continually make the comer there unto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the comer once purged should have made no more consciousness of sin. Rather, should have had no more consciousness of sin. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sin every year. Now, I want you to see something. Notice how the Bible says in verse number 1 of Hebrews, the 10th chapter, that there is a, that the law having a shadow of things to come, of good things to come, the law was a shadow of God's redemptive process for mankind. Man fell in the garden. Sin entered in through uh, the bad decision that Adam and Eve made to eat of the tree. Sin entered in, and through sin came death. Man was in a bad fix. Man was in a bad way. Sin was ruling his life constantly and consistently ruled by sin. So the Lord designed a way, he designed a way to... uh, keep his people from his wrath, from his judgment. Now, let me say this. God is completely holy, completely holy. There is no darkness in him at all. And anytime something unholy comes into his presence, it is consumed. It is consumed. It is cast out. Our God is a consuming fire. The Lord still wanted relationship with man, even though man had sinned. But in his present state, the father had to cast man out of his presence, out of the garden, still very much in love with man. He had to cast man out so that man could live. Because if man stayed in his presence, he would have been consumed, would have been judged, would have been condemned, and would have found his place in hell. No question about it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Notice this. The Bible says that uh, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, the law had a shadow. Now, in order for there to be a shadow, there must first be a light source, a source of light. If there was a, a, a light, a flashlight sitting here, and the wall was right here to the other side of me, and I stand in the middle of the light source of the flashlight and the wall, you would see my shadow on the wall. Isn't that right? We got that picture? Well, the Father is the light source. The Bible declares that the Father is light. God is light. He is light. There's no darkness in him whatsoever. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Right? He is the life, and he is also the light. Are you with me? So the father stands in heaven, of course, and he's, he's everywhere. And his glory uh, began to shine upon the earth. His holiness, his righteousness began to shine upon the earth and would have consumed man. Here again, the father is a consuming fire. 
So he put something in place. He put an image in place of his presence and mankind, and that was law. Law stood in the way. That is the Old Testament, the Old Covenant stood in the way uh, of his judgment toward man. And now everyone that stood in that shadow of law under the Old Testament, as long as they were in the shadow of that law, they were saved from the wrath of God. If you stood in the shadow, you were saved from the wrath of God. Now, the law was imperfect. It was imperfect. Its primary function uh, was, of course, we can say uh, uh, the primary focus of the law was to diagnose man's condition, diagnose the sin in man. Man thought that he was okay. So the Lord sent the law to show man that he was not okay, to show man that there were sins, that there were flaws in him. And the father in the law made a way, made a sacrificial system by the shedding of blood by which man could have his sins covered, covered, not done away with. The law could not, uh, the law could not uh, do away with sins or take sins away. It could only cover it. Uh, such like my wife came up with this very good example. Uh, if someone goes in the bathroom and they have some problems hallelujah and they come out they're a very nice person but they come out of the bathroom and they leave a smelliest odor are you with me a very bad odor well there are some fragrances that you can spray in there that will mask the odor anybody know what i'm talking about it a mask. It doesn't take the odor away. It just makes the odor smell like roses or something. Well, that was what the law did. So that the Father could commune with us in our stinking shape. Because we there was nothing in the earth that could wash our sins away. There was nothing in the earth that could wash us clean to be in God's presence. As a matter of fact, Isaiah said that uh, our own righteousness was as filthy rags. We, we, we were a stench in God's nostrils. But yet and still, the Father still wanted a relationship with us. So he brought in a system of law uh, that included sacrifices of bulls and of goats. This, in effect, was like that air freshener. The Lord said, I still want to have communion, communion with you, so come here. Now, you still stink, and I know you still stink. We both know you still stink, but this will help us have fellowship together at least at a distance. Now, at least I can stand to be in your presence and you not be consumed. Are you with me? So the law in itself could not take away the smell. The sacrificial system could not wash you. Could not cleanse the underarm, so to speak. Couldn't do anything for you. All it could do was spray you down with a rosy scent. And you still know that you stank. God knew that you stank. But he knew that he still loved you and wanted relation with you. So he set something in motion. The sacrificial system of the animals uh, giving their lives so that man could live and have a relationship with him. This sacrificial system, this law, was a shadow of something that was to come. Are you with me? Now, notice what it says here in verse number one again. Uh, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, 
The good things to come would be what the Lord Jesus Christ was about to do. Those animals represented Christ in the Old Testament. Now listen, and uh, not the very image of the thing can never, those sacrifices, that law can never with those sacrifices which, which, uh, which they offer year by year continually make the comer thereunto perfect. It couldn't make them perfect. Those that were under the law could never be perfect in God's sight, could never be fit in God's sight, truly fit for his use, truly fit for his purpose, truly fit to be in his presence. Those that were under the law could never be fit for his presence, could never be complete or made perfect under the law. Let me say it this way. Those that were under law and those that are under law can never be completely cleansed, can never be washed. You will always have a stench on you. Because the blood of bulls and goats or the blood of your own sacrifices that you bring to God, your hard labor, your hard work, your trying to be good, your trying, your, your good actions, trying to make up for your bad actions would never take the, the stench of the stankish sin off of your life. Hallelujah. If you are abiding under the law, you'll never be clean in God's sight. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, because these sacrifices were not able to make the, uh, the comer perfect. Verse number two, for, for then would, if they could, uh, then would the sacrifices have ceased. But it didn't. It said, because the worshipers once purged would have had no more conscience of sins. Okay. If the sacrificial system worked, then when the uh, farmer or when the worshiper came to church, uh, let's take this in modern day terms. Some, the person comes to church, uh, Mr., uh, Mr. And Mrs. Hookamacher, uh, they come into church and they're laden with sin. They know they have done wrong in their lives. And so they brought their sacrifice in before the altar. And uh, for the priest to slay it, shed its blood, and the animal would now die in the place of Mr. Hookamonker. Mr. and Mrs. Hookamonker, are you with me? The animal would die for them. The animal would shed its blood. The animal would get in his place. The animal is dying for his sin. The animal is innocent, but the animal is dying for the sin of the worshiper that's coming in. So the worshiper wants to get close to God, wants to, wants to um, honor the Lord because this was a part of the law. This is what the people of Israel were required to do. This is what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to come to church and bring their sins and worship God and give a sacrifice at the altar. And then they would leave and go back home. But the sacrificial system was imperfect. In that when they brought the sin offering in, they had guilt and shame on their conscience on their consciousness, they brought their sacrifice in, they worshiped God, they heard the word, but when they left out, they still had the stain or the smell of sin on them, and they their consciousness was still guilty. They were still felt guilty, they still felt ashamed. I wonder how many people today, still today, come into church feeling guilty, and ashamed because of what they've done. Well, that's exactly what they did uh, under the law. That's exactly what they did under the law. Now look at verse number three. 
It says, but in those sacrifices, uh, let's go ahead and turn off the back row of lights, please, so we can see the screen, the screen more clearly. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. The sacrifices, instead of making them feel better, actually make them feel a little bit worse because it reminded them every time they came to church, it reminded them how bad they had been. Every time they came to the altar and brought their sacrifice, it just reminded them how guilty they were. The system did not work. Here again, the law diagnosed sin. It, it was it was to show you your imperfection. It was to show you that you needed Christ. It was to show them that. It was a shadow of something that was to come. So the law did its work well. It showed the worshiper that they were sinful. That showed them that they were guilty. It showed them that. So they brought those sacrifices in to the altar, but they also left with the guilt. They were serving God as best they could as they came into church, serving God best they could, but they could not, uh, the law could not deal with the sin problem. Are you with me? Now, let's look at the old system of law. I think we're going the wrong way here. Hold on a second. All right. Paul understood this uh, when he said, when he said here in Romans, the seventh chapter, verse 24, he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Paul understood as he was reflecting on the old covenant. He was reflecting on how sin actually felt on him. Now, during Bible times, the Roman government, when they would want to punish somebody, sometimes they would take uh, a dead man's body, a dead person's body, and they would tie it or chain it to you, to the person that was being uh, punished. They would strap, tie, or chain a dead body to you you and let you go just like that. And so you walked around. Punishment, you're being punished, cruel punishment, because you've got the stench of a dead body on you. The body is heavy. You're carrying dead weight. The body is heavy, and it's stinking, and it's decaying. But not only that, that body is actually killing the wearer. That that, that dead body was actually killing you, that person that was, was carrying it. Because all the toxins and the smells and all that was then leaking into their body. So Paul said, he looks at that experience of having sin. He looks at that. The Lord showed him, gave him a divine revelation. Uh, you know, he may have even seen a man walking around like that. And he said, oh, that's what sin is like. He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? From this body of death, from this body of sin that's on me. Who can deliver me? I go to church every week. I bring my offering, but I still feel guilty. I still feel ashamed. Who can deliver me from the body of this death, Paul says. Can anybody identify with that? Let's look at that same scripture out of the New Living Translation. Listen to what it says here. Verse 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? 
Verse 25. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Here again, he's speaking from the aspect of law. In my mind, I really want to serve God. I really want to do right. But I find that sin dominates me and I go the other way. Look at this out of the message Bible. Verse 24 says, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acts to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. This again, this contradiction are for people that are under law. You want to serve God with all your might, but you are dominated or uh, mastered. You've been mastered by sin. Paul says that when I want to do right, evil is present with me. Uh, when I want to do right, I find in my body another law, the law of sin that controls me. And it makes me do things that, that I don't want to do. These are contradictions that only exist under law. They do not exist under grace. So we're finding ourselves in this contradiction. You are existing under law. Now, the problem is today that many uh, in church have mixed law with grace and have made themselves a cocktail of law and grace and drinking it and dying every day. They say, I love Jesus. He's my savior. But they are crucifying themselves daily for deeds that they have done. They have gone to the altar Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and they have asked God to forgive them for things they did back in 1905, 1912, 1970s, the 80s and 90s. They have asked God thousands of times to forgive them of their sins, which is exactly what they did in the Old Testament as they brought their sacrifices to God on an annual basis or on a daily basis, asking God, pleading for forgiveness for their sins. Because the priest was there daily. That's exactly what they did under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant. But aren't you glad to know that we don't live under the Old Covenant? But the problem is that a lot of us even know the Lord has fulfilled the old and activated the new. Many of us are still living under the Old Covenant and have not learned to receive what the Lord Jesus Christ has purchased for us with his blood. But today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to see that and we're going to begin to walk in it. Amen. Amen. So uh, let's look further. Now, this is actually the end, actually the end of chapter seven. There's this contradiction. Let me read it again. He said, uh, verse 25, this is again out of the message Bible. The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acts to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Now look at chapter 8, 
It rose, spills right over in chapter 8 of the King James Versions 1 through 4. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, we are, once you're in Christ Jesus, once you've really received and believe in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you're in him. And being in him, you're not going to walk continuously after the flesh, but you're going to mind the things of the spirit. Are you with me? Verse number two says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now, here's another law. Remember, Paul was just talking about the law of sin. Uh, when I want to do wrong, evil is present with me. He said, that's another law. It, it, it's there. It, it's another influence. I'm bound by this influence. And when I want to do right, I'm bound by the law of sin. When I want to do right, I'm bound by the law of sin. And I find myself doing something wrong. Well, verse number two says here of Romans 8 chapter, he says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now there's another law in activation. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free, hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. The law, this new law put in motion has now made us free from the law of sin and death. Therefore, there is no more contradiction for those that are under the new covenant. There is no more contradiction because the Bible says again, it hath, it already has taken place, past tense, made me free from the law of sin and death. Glory to God. Already done, already accomplished through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Verse number three says, for what the law could not do, here again, for what the law could not do with that sacrificial system we talked about a moment ago, with what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh uh, and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. God condemned it. Boom! In the body of Jesus Christ, he stopped the reign or control of sin for all humanity when Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. God put his foot down. Boom! You will no longer control my people's sin. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Look at that. In verse 3, it says again, uh, It says, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned condemned sin in the flesh. Now, there's an amplified Bible reference. We're going to look at that in just a moment. Verse 4 says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Here again, that's an add on. We're going to do that. Hallelujah. Like cats, cats meow. Why do they meow? Do they meow? Do cats meow because they can meow? No, they, they meow because they're cats. Dogs bark because they're dogs. That's what dogs do, right? Horses, and they trot around because they're horses. Hallelujah. You don't have to, you don't have to teach a cat to meow. Come on, Fluffy. You can do it. Say it. Come on. No, the cat will do it. Are you with me? Born again believers, those that are under the new covenant, we will walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Hallelujah. And if we get a bit out of line, the father says he will chastise and rebukes those that he loves. He'll deal with you. He'll help you get back in line. Glory to God because he loves you. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? 
Now, let's look at that reference in Amplified Bible. Uh, Romans 8, chapter, verse number 3 of Amplified. Look at this. It says, for God has done what the law could not do. Its power being weakened by the flesh, the entire nature of man without the Holy Spirit. Sending his own son in the guise of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, God, look, look at this, God condemned sin in the flesh, subdued, overcame, deprived it of its power over all, say all, say all, say all, say that includes me, over all who accept that sacrifice. So here's the question today. Has, is there anyone in this room today that has received the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ? I receive your sacrifice, Jesus. Let's ask that question again. Is there anyone here today in this room or listening that has received the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you believed on his shed blood? Have you believed on his work at Calvary? Have you believed in his death, burial, and resurrection? Do you receive him as Lord and Savior? Is that you? Then if that is you, then the Bible says that God condemned sin in the flesh, subdued it, overcame it, deprived it, oh, deprived it, uh, deprived its power over all who accepted that sacrifice. He deprived it of power. He stripped it. Sin controlled man. Sin controlled. Remember the contradiction that Paul spoke about in Romans the eighth, uh, Romans the seventh chapter. He said, I want to do right, but, uh, but every time I want to do, every time I try to do right, evil is present with me and I find another law working in my members, another law working in my body. It's the law of sin. It's the law of death and it's dominating me and it's controlling me. And he said, who can deliver me from this body of death? Who can deliver me? Who can take this away? Jesus Christ can and does and did and through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ God stripped sin Mm. he stripped it of its control and power and said no you will no longer influence my people and now the born again believer sins it's not because sin made you do it you can't say the devil made me do it no if you are true, if you truly receive the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, sin no longer has power over you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's time to begin to believe what the word says. And as my wife said this morning, begin to confess what the word says. Hallelujah. Believe it and confess it. This is our current reality. Everything else is a lie. Glory to God. Let's look at the solution. We know the problem. We know the problem. Worshippers came in filled with guilt and shame over what they had done. Gave their sacrifice. They worshiped God. Asked for forgiveness. Week after week. Week after week. Sabbath after Sabbath. And even on the day of atonement. Asked for forgiveness. They worshiped. Heard the word. Sang praise. Uh, thank God. But they still walked out feeling guilty and ashamed. Even though they had worship, had a worship experience, still felt guilty and ashamed because of what they had done. Why? Because they were living under the law, under their old covenant. 
They could never, that system could never perfectly uh, make someone uh, flawless before God. They could never make them fit before God because the blood of bulls and goats could not do what only Jesus Christ can do. Let's look further at the solution. God made him a body. Now, let's go further in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verses 4 through 8. Let's listen to it. It says here in verse number 4, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. One possible. Verse 5 says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifices and offerings thou wouldest not. In other words, he didn't want it. God didn't want that. It's just that air spray again, that and you got to go in there. Let's think about it for a time. The, the only time God could, only time let's say you can commune with your friend is in a stinky room. Your friend stayed in a stinky room, stinky, putrefied, chitlin smelling room. Are you with me? That's the only way you could go in and see your friend. Your friend couldn't leave the room. The only way you could go in and see him, the only way you could stand it, you had to bring some air freshener. Now, it didn't make the smell go away, but it made it so that you could tolerate it for a moment. That's what the law did. It covered sin. It's like the air freshener. It just covered the smell. It masked the smell. It didn't take it away. It was weakened that. God said he didn't want those sacrifices, but he said, but a body has thou prepared me. Oh, glory to God. But a body is talking about Jesus, a body. The Lord has prepared me. He said in verse six in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. Uh, thou hadst had no pleasure. He said, I didn't want those animals, but I did it so that I could see you and talk to you. Verse number seven, then said, I, talking about Jesus, I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me. Woo, look at Jesus. The real Superman. Jesus said, then I come. You've made me a body. Hallelujah. And I have come through time and space, through eternity. Come and stepping out. You've made me a body and I've come in the volume of the book. It was written of me. He was the word made flesh that is stepping now among mankind to solve the problem. The universe is real, Superman. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. He said, I come in the volume of the book as it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Verse 8. Above when he said, that we talked about before, uh, sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for, for sin, thou wouldest not. He didn't want it. Neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. What are we talking about? The father needed the perfect sacrifice. And he sent his only begotten son in the guise of sin to walk out that human experience. Now, let me show you some scriptures here to show you that Jesus Christ is the one that he's talking about. In John, the first chapter, verse 29 through uh, 32, it says, The next day, John, talking about John the baptizer, John see of Jesus coming unto him and saith, What? Behold, what? Y'all reading with me? Behold, what? The Lamb of God, which taketh away, what? 
the sins of the world. What? Now this is strange here. Because up until this point, the blood of bulls and goats could not take away, could only cover up. But Jesus, the Lamb of God, has come to take away the sin. Hallelujah! He's come to clean up the condition. Coming into the room where you are, he's coming with this pooper scooper, coming to sweep it all up and about to take it off. He's coming in to get his, uh, uh, to get his bleach and he's coming to clean the whole room up. He's coming to wash you down. He may have on a hazmat suit, but he's coming to wash you down, spray you down. He's coming with this fuller soap. Hallelujah. And his refiner's fire making you ready and fit for the presence of God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to the Lord. The Lord is coming now to take away sin. Remember, the law could only cover it over. But Jesus has come to take it away. Are you with me? John said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Verse 30. This is he of whom I said, uh, After me cometh a man which is preferred above me. For he was before me, verse 31, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, uh, am I come baptizing with water? And John bear record saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water. Listen, God sent John the Baptist to baptize with water. He that sent me to baptize with water, the same said to me, upon whom thou see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. Talking about Jesus. Verse 34, and I, and I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day, uh, after John stood and two of his disciples, verse 36 and 37, look at this. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, who the lamb of God, the lamb of God, verse 37. And the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Remember, the Old Testament, the sacrificial system, was a shadow of good things to come. Verse number one, Hebrews 10, book, uh, Hebrews 10, verse one. It was a shadow. Those animals coming down and dying for the worshiper was a shadow of something good that was coming. Jesus coming as the Lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice was going to do the same thing that the Lamb, that the uh, that those bulls and goats did, but His sacrifice would take away the sin. Are you with me? Let's look at another. First John, the third chapter, verse uh, 4 through 6. It says, uh, Whosoever committeth sin uh, transgresseth also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. Look at verse number 5. And ye know that he was manifested, talking about Jesus. He, Jesus, was manifested to what? Take away our sins. Come on, talk to me. To do what? To take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Perfect sacrifice. Verse 6, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth uh, have not seen him, neither knoweth him. You cannot continue to do so. Why? Because the law of sin has been broken. It has been stripped of its power in a believer's life. Hallelujah. 
Oh, look at the wonderful word of God. Romans 11 chapter, verses 26 through 28. It says, verse 26, And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Oh, wonderful. Verse 27, For this is my covenant, saith, This is my covenant unto them, when I shall, what? Take away their sins again god would come remember the worshipers you got to really appreciate the old testament because they came in the house of god to worship god and they still left guilty and ashamed they still left feeling that i'm not good enough and if you would ask any of them under the old testament or that lived under the law, if you would ask any of them the question uh do you think you're good enough to stand in god's presence They would say, oh, no. Why? Because the sin and guilt and shame would be speaking for them. If you would ask any of them, are you good enough? If you ask any of them, uh, if God were to stand right here right now, could you stand in his presence? Would he approve of you? They would say, oh, no. Why? Because of sin and guilt. But it's the same thing that has happened today in today's modern day church for those that are under law. If you ask them and the average worshiper, even most of you, a lot of you in this house today, that we could say, if the Lord Jesus were to stand right here in physical form, God Almighty would stand right here. Could you stand in his presence in peace? A lot of us would say, "Uh, well, I I, I hope so. Uh, I, I hope so. Why are you saying, I I hope so? Because you have a law-centered mentality. You have not received the true sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Those that are under the law stand in the shadow of the law for their provision. But those that are under Christ stand in the shadow of Christ. Hallelujah. And they're not depending on their righteousness. They're depending on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So I can stand in God's presence and my knees not buckled because I'm not depending on my righteousness, but the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice, the real Superman. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what's being said today? All right. Now, in first Peter, this is wonderful. First Peter, the second chapter, verses 23 through 25. Look at this. It says, who, when he was uh, reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed, rather, but uh, committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Look at verse 24. Are you ready? 24 says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Talking about Calvary, the cross. He bear our sins, say he bore my sins. He bore my sins in his own body on the tree. That we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For we were all, for ye were as sheep gone, going astray, but are now returned, but are now returned, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we now have fellowship with God Almighty. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Look at Romans 6. I love this. Are y'all ready? You ready to get into some scripture today? I'm telling you. Because the Bible is full of scripture that tells you that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that you uh, have no need to live under law, but under grace. 
Romans, the sixth chapter, verse number 13 says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of, of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, talking to the born again believer, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under what? The what? The what? The what? The what? For you are not under the law, but under grace. Hallelujah. I don't believe you can be said any plainer than that. Verse 15. What then shall we sin because we are un- that we- because we are not under the law? But under grace, God forbid. Hallelujah. Even if someone were to ask that question, I would begin to question their salvation. If you can even ask or even function in your mind or, or, or meditate in your mind, well, I can keep on sinning now because I received the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So let me go back and keep on sinning. Why would someone even want to spit on the cross of Christ and go in that direction? Are you with me? Hallelujah. Dogs bark, cats meow. The true church of the living God. We walk upward to the Father. Are you with me? We walk by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. And that's why you're here today, to hear the Word. Because the Father is still drawing you. He's drawing you. You can go as far left as you want to go. If you're really born again and saved, you can go far left as you want to go. But you find yourself gravitating right back. Because scripture says, what scripture says is true. He is able to keep you from falling, from falling away. He's able to bring you right on back. So you can't keep on doing wrong. You can't keep on in that direction. You'll find the spirit of God drawing you right on back. Bring you right back in sweet fellowship with him. You can backslide to the moon. And you find yourself coming right on back. Oh, he loves you. Are you with me? All right. The old system of law was canceled. Hope you understand that. The old system of law was canceled. It was fulfilled. And the new system of law called grace was activated. That is brought online by Jesus Christ. Gave you some technical terms there. It was brought online by Jesus Christ. Let's look at this in Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Verse number nine now, it says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He maketh, rather, he taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. And we got some more scriptures to look up. Are y'all with me today? He takes away the first. God took away the first, that he may establish the second. He said, I'm not receiving the blood of bulls and goats anymore. I'm not receiving good works for sin to cover sin anymore. Hear me. I'm not receiving good works to cover sin anymore. I'm not receiving your good works to cover sin anymore. To cover sin. Because no matter how much good you do, even uh, the natural man, you can do a whole lot of good, but the good that you do, you know, never covers the wrong. The good of man 
will never cover your wrong. You'll never be able to do enough good to wash away the stench and the smell and the feeling and the guilt of wrong being done. Hallelujah. That's law. That's not the righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. Let's look at this. Here's Romans 6 chapter. For sin, uh, the NIV now, for sin shall no longer have, rather, for, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law but under grace. It's a change. Matthew 5 verse 17 through se- verse 17 through 18 says, Think not that I come, Lord Jesus speaking, think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to what? Fulfill. There is a changeover. When Jesus came, he flipped the script. He said, I didn't come to destroy. I came to fulfill it. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth, uh, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. I came to fulfill one and activate the other. Galatians 2, 6 says, uh, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the what? The law of Christ. The law of sin and death has been dealt away with. It's gone. The old covenant has been done, been, been fulfilled. It's gone. Now in place, there is the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love fulfills the law. Are you with me? There's a new law. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 24. Now, I love this, and we may just stop here for the day. I don't want to overload you, boy. I'm telling you, there's a whole lot more. Are you getting this so far? Are you catching this revelation? I mean, because this will put some nails in the coffin here. Let me tell you, take a breath for a second, blow it out, because you got to get this. All that was a prelude to this. If you didn't get that, you're not going to get this. But if you got that, your head's about to pop off. Are you with me? Verse 24, it says, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. That's uh, Hebrews 12, verse 24. What's a mediator? A mediator is one who intervenes between two, uh, between two, either in order to make or restore peace and friendship or form a compact or for ratifying a covenant. Jesus stands in between now. Remember, we told you before that the law, the law had a shadow of good things to come. It was the law that stood between mankind and the wrath of God. The law preserved man until Jesus could come. Are you with me? It was a law that was our schoolmaster, so to speak, as the Bible also declares, until Jesus could come in. It was a law that stood there holding back. Then Jesus said, law, I'm here now. You can go. Thank you. Then Jesus stood in the way. Hallelujah. Those that were under the shadow of the law still felt guilty and ashamed. 
even though they'd done the best that they could to serve the Lord, but they still felt guilty and ashamed because law could not take away their sins. It could only cover it. Jesus came down in the fullness of time. God, you have made me a body. I come in the volume of the book. Steps in. Excuses law. He steps in the way now. Now all of us that stand in the shadow or stand in Jesus Christ have been freed from law and we stand in his righteousness. Are you with me? Now look, Jesus has become the mediator now, the one that stands between to make peace with God and man. It's Jesus that does that. Now, I want you to notice something here. It says, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and of the blood of sprinkling. The blood of sprinkling. This is what the high priest would do. They would take the blood of the animals and they would sprinkle after they had sacrificed. Uh, they would take the blood of the animal and they would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Now, the mercy seat uh, was the was the lid of what's known as the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant were the Ten Commandments was the law. So the law was in this big box. Are you with me? You see a big box? Law was inside the big box. And the cover, the top, the lid of the box was called the mercy seat. And as long as the mercy seat stood in place, the law was covered. Well, what was on the mercy seat? It was the blood of the sacrifices of the animals that the priest worshipers brought the animal in. The priest would sacrifice it, probably slit its throat or what have you. Take the blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Sprinkle it on the mercy seat. So the blood was on the mercy seat. And God would not look through the blood to see the law, to judge the person. Because where there is no law, there is no judgment. But if the law is present, if the law is seen, the worshiper would be judged. But the blood was there covering the law. Are you still with me today? So the Bible says that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. And he's the one that is sprinkling the blood. Whose blood is he sprinkling? His own blood. He's sprinkling his own blood in the presence of God. Now listen. Now this blood speaketh better things than that of Abel. Now, If we were to go, we're not going to go there, but in in Genesis, the fourth chapter, verse 10, this is where Cain kills Abel. Anybody familiar with that? Say amen if you're familiar with that. Cain kills his brother. And the father comes down and, and talks to Cain and says, Cain, where's your brother? Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? I don't have to keep up with him. God says, what have you done, Cain? Because the blood of your brother, the blood of Abel, is crying out to me. Abel was dead, but his blood was still crying out from the earth. What was Abel's blood crying out? Justice. Give me justice. My brother has killed me. Give me vengeance. Justice. Vengeance. Give it to me, Lord. Get him. Get him. Get him. Judgment, judgment, judgment. The blood of your brother Cain is crying out to me for vengeance and justice and for me to judge you. The blood still in the earth was crying out to God. But Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant whose blood is speaking better things. 
Well, if Abel's blood is crying out for, for judgment, is crying out for justice, is crying out for vengeance, the blood of Jesus is crying out mercy, grace, mercy, grace, receive them, receive them, forgiveness, forgiveness. It's the blood of Jesus that is talking to God on our behalf. That is crying out from the earth because the blood of Jesus was shed in the earth. It is his blood that is still crying out to the father today. Forgive them. Have mercy upon them. Receive them. Receive them. Receive them. It is the righteous blood of Jesus Christ that is still crying out for us today. That is saying, forgive them, father, for they know not what they do. It is the blood of Jesus that he is sprinkling in the mercy seat of heaven that is before God almighty that is crying out. Now, are speaking louder than angels that are crying out louder than anything it is the blood of Jesus that the father hears as we stand in his presence hallelujah it is the blood of Jesus that is speaking for us that is crying out from the earth and that is crying out from the mercy seat of heaven glory to God it's the blood of Jesus let me do just one more I want you to see this here. Verse 10 of Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 10 says, by the which the second, uh, the will, God's will, we are sacrificed, or rather we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Listen, now here's the point, and we can really stop here for today. I pray you get this. I thank God that you can get this. Are you ready to get this? By the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we are sanctified once for all. Once and for all, we're sanctified. Now, the next two verses uh, back that verse up. It says in verse number 11, and every high priest does what? What's that word? He's standing. Every high priest does what? Every high priest does what? Say stands. Every high priest stands or standeth daily ministering and offering often the same sacrifices, which can never do what? Take away sins. Uh, they never made a dent in the sin problem. Never made a dent. The high priest would stand every day, every day taking bulls and goats, and it never took away the sin problem. Verse 12 says, But this man, say this man, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, uh, forever sat down on the right hand of God. Hallelujah. (laughs) He offered it one time and then sat down. The earthly priest stood every day offering it because those weak sacrifices couldn't do anything for this. But Jesus offered his own blood once and sat down, which means that we are forever cleansed and forgiven. Glory to God. If Jesus were to stand in heaven daily offering offering his blood, or if he came again and offered himself as a sacrifice all over again, that would mean that his sacrifice was imperfect, incomplete. But there's no need for another sacrifice because the blood of Jesus covers all of your sins, past, present, and future. For the entire generation, it is that perfect. Once and for all, he did it. Verse 13 says, 
from henceforth, expecting till his enemies, enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he made perfect forever them that are sanctified. There's a reference there in the Amplified Bible says, for by a single offering, he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. By one offering, he has forever sanctified me. By one offering, he's forever sanctified me. He's made my salvation perfect. Glory to God. He's made it perfect. Hallelujah. Therefore, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven of sin before I even commit it. <laughs> I am because that blood is speaking for me. Well, why don't we just keep on sinning? If I'm already forgiven, why don't, why don't we just keep on sinning? Because the born again believer can't. Because the spirit of God remains in him. His nature has changed. And even though now I can do it, I don't want to do it. It's kind of like somebody growing up and they say, boy, when I get 21, I'm going to drink till I drop. But things change in their lives and they get 21 and say, well, I don't want to do it. Now that you can do it, you realize you don't want to do it. Glory to God. Because our nature has changed. So Jesus has forever. Say forever. forever. Say forever. Say forever, say forever, forever completely cleansed, forever completely cleansed, forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated. Glory to God. Those that have been consecrated or set aside for him. If you receive the shed blood of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, the Lord has done the work once and for all. He did the work and he sat down. As a matter of fact, on the cross, he said, it is finished. It's done. I've done what I came to do. I've come to take away their sins and I've taken them away. I've come to do it. It's done. It's finished. And now the believer does not need to stand in guilt. But you will if you're standing under law and not under grace. The Lord Jesus has come today to free you from shame and guilt, from guilt and shame. I'm telling you, he has broken the power of sin off of your life and has allowed you to go free. So as we sing songs to him and say, I'm free, I'm free. Guess what we're talking about? <laughs> Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I'm free. He has freed me. He has broken the shackles and chains of that contradiction that Paul was talking about in uh, Romans chapter 7. So I pray today that you've heard the word of God. Let it get in. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org.